I don't know that I originated this phrase, spiritual breathing, or if I picked it up somewhere. It's one of the nice things about getting older. You, you just pick up stuff and you, you claim it as your own. <laughs> you say, oh, yeah, I originated this. <laughs> I may not have. I don't know. I don't care, you know. But uh, um, it's the whole thing of spiritual breathing and what that is. Because we're going to talk about that in terms of confession and acceptance. And uh, I'll explain that as we, uh, as we uh, talk about that. But when you, when you, when you hear this, this song, which, which is just wretched, man that I am, oh, hallelujah. Uh, it's just so descriptive, so clear. So I want to I take you to a passage that uh, over the years has meant a lot to me because it really describes my life. And uh, I think it, it should be one of those verses that just stand out um, Really, to any of us, maybe you haven't been aware of it, that's fine, but hopefully it will from now on. Any of us who are people of faith in Christ, it's one of those, just a, a, a concept and a verse, I don't care whether you memorize the verse or not, that will stand out to you and really be, I think, helpful. Um, it comes from the um, New Testament, First John chapter 1. It's really one verse. I'm going to read three verses to get just the context that is there. It's First John chapter 1. I want to begin reading in verse 8. If we claim we have no sin... We are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to Him, Christ, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness or all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that His Word has no place in our hearts. He's talking about the condition of mankind, basically the wretched condition of mankind. And, and when, he, when he talks about there in verse 9, if we confess our sins, he's talking about, and usually, just a, I don't want to get into it too deeply in, in terms of Bible study methods, but when you see sins plural, it's talking about sinful actions. Oftentimes when you see the word, see, see the word sin singular, it's talking about a sinful condition. And so he says, if we confess our sins, our acts of sins, sins of of, of, of saying what we shouldn't say, sins of doing something I shouldn't be doing, or treating somebody, uh, or having wicked thoughts, or evil thoughts, or malicious, or whatever they might be. He says, he forgives us those sins, and then cleanses from all wickedness, all unrighteousness, is the way I normally, I, I, the, when I memorized this verse years ago, is a uh, different translation, it was uh, cleanse us from all our sins and all unrighteousness. Um, there are, because of the condition of mankind, we have sins that we don't even know we commit. Uh, because it's just such a part of what we are. Maybe this will help you, help you think through this whole thing of this human condition, I'm calling it. I just got back last week, last Saturday, last Friday actually, from um, our two, we had two weeks of vacation. Great time. I didn't get to talk about it last week because I was fighting off a stomach virus, you know, and I was just trying to survive. I had, uh, I had there's a backstage and down two floors, there's a bathroom, I said, reserve that bathroom for me. Don't let anybody else in there. And, uh, and I, you know, so between the services, that's where I was kind of hanging out. And uh, some one of the kids, one of the teenagers came to that bathroom. I said, get out of here. Anyway, so um, anyway, so I couldn't, I, I couldn't really, I wasn't, you know, whatever. Uh, too much information, right? Um, so we got back two weeks, two, uh, two weeks vacation. Now, it was really fun. We, we, we were in North Carolina in, in, in Freshwater Mountain Lake, uh, not, not too far from Asheville. Just great time. Um, our family, my family, my daughter and her family, my son and his family, we all came and had about eight or nine days. And then uh, Charlie and I had some time together after that and took off and 
traveled, traveled this and some of the things we love doing, historical spots and so forth. Anyway, I went to Appomattox. You ever been to Appomattox, Virginia? That is a great place. I mean, this is one of the things, this is one of the top, I think it's one of the top five historical places in the country where the Civil War ended, and there's nobody there. It's just crazy. Anyway, um, I, I, I deviate. Um, so before our vacation, uh, our, my two grandsons from Birmingham, my, my, our, my son and his wife's two, two, two kids, came up and spent a week with us and then drove with us down to North Carolina. And um, um, they're used to traveling whenever they travel like, uh, like their father was taught to travel uh, back in the day, and that is, boom, we go, we don't stop. You know? Well, I've changed over the years for a, a number of reasons. Uh, <laughs> guys can relate down here, can't you guys, over, over 50 or so. Anyway, uh, uh, so, so I'm telling them we're going to take a you know, drive, and, and they say, okay, we're just going to go straight through, right? And I said, no, no, we're going to be stopping, and we're going to be stopping a lot. And they're like, oh, granddad, we're we, we not used to doing that. I said, well, get used to it. And... Um, and they were like, well, dad doesn't do that. I said, I know your dad doesn't do that. But, and I didn't used to, but I didn't. So they don't understand this whole concept of stopping every hour or and a half when you're driving down the highway. And so Charlene, being the great grandmom that she is and sweet and kind and loving, tries to explain to them. She says, now, now, now boys, she said, you need to understand. She's trying to be the peacemaker. Because I'm not arguing with them. I'm saying, this is how it's going to be. I don't want any crap out of you. you know? And, and, uh, and uh, so she says, guys, you're... you're Words that will live in infamy. She says, your, your granddad has a condition. <laughs> All she's trying to explain to them is when men get a certain age, they have to, and, they, and they drink coffee or Diet Coke when they, they have to stop every hour or so, you know? That's all she's trying to do. I'm like, thanks a lot, honey. So the theme of the freaking two-week vacation was every time I would, you know, eat ice cream the wrong way. Well, granddad has a condition, you know? <laughs> You know, you, you, you miss your mouth. Granddad has a condition, you know. And every time that would happen, I look at her and I'm like, I'm going to kill you, you know, in your sleep. Nobody will know. Anyway, um, <laughs> so I, I tell you that story just to tell you that, that we all have a condition, okay? It's called the human condition. And, and it's, it's called broken and we're so ridiculously broken that, you know, when we start to confess our sins, we can think of the ones that we did in the last hour or two, or maybe some of the big ones. But in terms of some of the little, quote, unquote, little things, not that there really are little, and maybe it was just being rude or maybe being obnoxious or, or, or you know, cursing at someone in traffic or, or whatever, you just sort of, you know, well, that doesn't really count. This, this is what he's talking about when he says, we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, all wickedness, all the things that we may not even have been conscious of because our condition is so distorted because we're broken. And we forget that, you know, in, in, in church sometimes we, we, we forget that. And so what he's saying is we confess Interesting word, confess, in the, in the original language that it was written in. Confession, confession means basically just to agree with God. In other words, I'm coming to God saying, God, I am broken, man. And I need your help and I need your forgiveness. And I, I, I want to ask for your forgiveness for how I treated that person, for what I said, for the action that I've committed. Maybe for the action that I didn't commit that I should have. 
you know, an act that I should, maybe of kindness, maybe that I should have done. So, so there's this, this, this great need, I call it spiritual breathing, exhaling, confessing, inhaling is accepting God's acceptance and love and forgiveness and ability to live, to live above it in a better way. Um, I want to illustrate it to you from the Old Testament, just, just very quickly. In David's life, in his case, it wasn't a little sin, it was a big sin. It was a big sins, plural. Uh, David had committed, I mean, this was a big deal. David had committed a, a, adultery with Bathsheba. And, it, the, you gotta, and, and, then, and then, and this is the part that sometimes people don't either realize or forget, and then he has her husband, basically he has her husband killed. Basically, he committed murder to try to cover up his sin. Isn't it amazing the, the extents that we go to sometimes to try to cover up our sins? Well, it's the talk of the town in the old city of David in Bethlehem. It's, I mean, this is, not a, this is not some secret thing. You've got to think about this. This is, this, is not, this is not just in the National Enquirer. This is like in the New York. It's not just the New York Post. This is all over every Jerusalem Times or wherever else there is. It's in every, everybody knows about this. I mean, it, it could be, I hate to bring this up, but it, it could be compared to the, to the Clinton-Monica uh, Lewinsky thing a few years ago uh, on how everybody in the whole country knew about that and, you know, what went on and so forth. It's, it's very similar to that in terms of everybody knowing about it. So, but, but it's like the elephant, no, nobody's saying anything, you know? And keep in mind, he is the king. He doesn't have a Congress. He, he, he doesn't have... Even really, anybody he has to answer to, he, you know, you bring it up and he doesn't like you bringing it up, and you're done. Very primitive times. There is this one preacher. He's called a prophet in the Old Testament, minister. We would call him today pastor, pastor to the president or whatever. His name was Nathan. Nathan was one, one strong guy, one brave guy. So Nathan, uh, Nathan goes to David, and watch what happens here. The Lord sent Nathan, the prophet, the preacher, to tell David this story. So he's a smart guy. He tells a story. Nathan does. He gives a little allegory, a little metaphor, if you will. There were two men in a certain town. One was rich, one was poor. The rich man owned great many sheep and cattle. The poor man owed nothing but one little lamb he had bought. He raised that little lamb, and it grew up with his children. It ate from 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 the man's plate, his own plate, and drank from his cup. Not a fan of that myself, but that's just like a house pet, okay? You've seen that. I've been to some of your houses, and we know your stinking dogs eat right off the plate. I've seen that. I, I notice that stuff. I love you anyway, and I'll come eat anyway. But, you know, don't let him eat off my plate, okay, because I'm kind of a freak. But, um, but anyway, it's no different than some of you with your house pets, right? And that, that, that's fine, I mean, certainly. Um, I know, I know. Their mouth's cleaner than a human mouth. I've heard all that stuff. Anyway, that's what's happening. He uses this story. To tell them, hey, this is, this is a, a very meaningful lamb to this guy, all right? Um, he cuddled it in his arms like a baby daughter. In verse 4, one day a guest arrived at the home of the rich man. But, uh, 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 but instead of killing the animal of his own flock and herd, he took the poor man's lamb, little house pet, killed it, and prepared it for a guest. So he tells him the story. This rich guy comes to this poor guy's house, and he takes basically his house pet and, and kills him uh, for dinner. All right? David was furious. Look at this, verse 5. As surely as the Lord lives, he vowed, any man who would do such a thing deserves to die. He must repay four lambs to the poor man for the one he stole and uh, for having no pity. Now watch how Nathan, this is a great preacher. 
here's what a great preacher can do. Watch what Nathan does with this. Verse 7. Then Nathan said to David, you are the man. I took guts. You're the man. He's looking at him eyeball to eyeball. I mean, Nathan, I mean, it would be nothing for David to say, I want him out and I want him dead. Happened all the time in those days. But Nathan says, you're the man. I mean, that's just, the courage is just amazing. The Lord, the God of Israel says, I anointed you the king of Israel, saved you from the power of Saul. Saul was the predecessor. He was the first king of Israel. And he tried to kill David for 10 years. Tried chasing him down. And, and, and Nathan says, you remember that? God saved you from that, you rascal. Uh, I gave you your master's house and his wives and the kingdoms of Israel and Judah, and that had not, not been enough. I would have given you much more. Why then have you despised the word of the Lord and done this horrible deed? For you have murdered Uriah the Hittite with the sword of the Ammonites and stolen his wife. What he basically did was put Uriah at the front of the battle lines in a strategic position so that he would be killed. That's what he's talking about. For the Lord has forgiven you and you won't die. Watch, I mean, just, just, you know, watch what happens in verse 13. I'm sorry, I got ahead of myself. David confessed to Nathan. He confessed to Nathan. I've sinned against the Lord. Nathan replied, yes, but the Lord has forgiven you and you won't die for this sin. He should have died. In, in the Old Testament law, law of Moses, you died. Not only was that a capital sin because he basically could have, been proved, could have proven that he put a guy in a place in harm's way in order to be killed to cover up his sin. But... I know it's going to sound weird to you if you haven't read the uh, Law of Moses, the Old Testament, uh, Deuteronomy, some of the Deuteronomy stuff. Uh, but in, uh, in those days, if you committed adultery, you died. You're thinking, oh, I wouldn't have any friends. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, it, it was that simple. And so, so what, what Nathan is telling David is really, he said, God's forgiven you, and you're not going to die. There will be other consequences and he elucidates that, and we're not going to talk about that now. But there will be a lot of other consequences, that won't, that, as there are for any, any kind of sinful activity. But he says, you're not going to die, and, and, um, and God's going to forgive you. That's the good news. But the point there is that David, David confessed. To, he could have kept covering up. He could have kept lying. He could have tried to whitewash it. He could have, you know, call it something that it's not. He could have done all kinds of other. But he came clean with, with God through Nathan. And confessed and said, I, I've sinned. See, that's where, for sometimes, for some of us, it's so hard, isn't it? And, and, and granted, it probably isn't a sin like this. It might be. I've known people who had a hard time. You, you talk to them. I've had to be Nathan many times and say, you're in a, you're in a wrong relationship, dude. Well, yeah, but you don't understand my wife, man. I, I don't really care. I have heard some rationalizations that would make your skin crawl. Yeah, but you don't know my background, you know. Oh, okay, so your background, your wife doesn't treat you right all the time, and you had a tough background, so it's okay to go out and screw around. Oh, yeah, sure. Oh, I understand. No big deal. Go ahead. Yeah. I mean, we, we go through all kinds of rationalizations with this stuff. And, and sometimes, obviously, m- m- hopefully most of us can, can see that when it comes to something like David's talking about here with, with adultery and, and murder. But how about some of the other stuff? Some of just, just being rude, being unkind, being harsh, 
treating people with less than, than honor. You say, that's a sin? Yeah. Been living in Jersey too long, haven't you? Yeah, that's a sin. Um, it is. It's an amazing thing how we can get conditioned to, to how, how you treat people and, and, and how you, in some cases, don't treat people in terms of kindness and so forth. And, and that's, that's where we really have to ask God. That's this part of that, that verse where it says, He'll cleanse us from our sins and all unrighteousness or all, all wickedness. That's where we just need to come to Christ and just say, Lord, help me. Forgive me for my sins and help me to, to recognize and, and change my way. And, and it could be any number of different issues, whether it be unhealthy images that I might be uh, watching on a pretty regular basis on, on a screen, or whether it be uh, regularly drinking too much, or whatever it might be. I want to show you something. I want to show you, there, there's two psalms that David writes after he, after he confesses this and then realizes he's been forgiven. The first psalm is Psalm 51. We call it the Psalm of Confession. I'm not going to go there right now just for time purposes. You'll be, you might be hearing more about that in, in the very near future, though. Uh, Clay may be talking about that soon. Um, um, but I want to take you to Psalm 32, which is a psalm that David wrote after he re- confessed, after he realized he had forgiveness. Just look at the heart of this guy. This is, this, I can relate to this because I've been one of those two that have been hard-nosed about certain sins and not tried to, you know, tried to resist a, a confession as much as I needed to. And, and, but, but, and then you finally do, and it's like, oh, my gosh, the heavens open up. Look at this. In, in Psalm 32, verse 1. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. Key phrase, complete honesty. I don't have to hide, don't have to cover up. I don't have to try to remember the story I told somebody else so I make sure my story is consistent. Just, just to be completely honest. Gosh, that's great. Verse 3, when I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away and I groaned all day long. <laughs> day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. You ever commit sin or maybe a series of sins and, and you know you were wrong, you didn't really want to come clean, it just affected you physically. You didn't have any, maybe you didn't have strength, maybe you didn't have any, couldn't sleep. Just like, oh, and, and every time you'd wake up, you'd think of this stuff that, you, that you'd been a part of. And you're like, oh. And he's saying, when I refused, interesting phrase, interesting word, I'll come back to it, uh, to confess my sin, my body just wasted away. Verse 5, finally, finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord, and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. I mean, I don't have to live in guilt? No. You don't have to. That's only for mother-in-laws to use. No. Uh, (laughs) Just kidding. Um, Unfortunately, people do use it. A lot of people. But it's wrong. God doesn't. And that's the key phrase here. That's the key thing. You forgave me. All my guilt is gone. How does that work? 
All my guilt can be, yeah, can be gone. Because God forgives. That's part of this breathing brother. I confess and I accept that forgiveness that God gives me that can only come at the foot of the cross when one comes to Christ and says, Lord, I, I want to accept your life, your death, your burial, your, your resurrection, and yet you, you died for me, for my sins, just my stuff, just me and my crap, let alone everybody else's. And that's part of it. And that's part of, that's part of that. It's so important for us to stop and, and to understand that and, 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 and not refuse, you know, the word they use, when I refuse to confess my sin, how do we refuse to confess our sins? Well, we hide, we cover up. Sometimes we like to rename it. Sometimes we like to try to rationalize it away, as I mentioned earlier. Sometimes we try to whitewash it over. It's all part of the human condition. Not only do we sin, we want to hide from it. Because we don't want to admit our, 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 our issues here. And that's, that's a tough place to be. Let me show you just... Um, I'll give you five takeaways from this. I like to do that sometimes. Just five gotta-haves in your life. Okay? As you stop and you think through this a little bit. First gotta-have. Be honest about your sins. Be honest. Don't, don't try to be somebody you're not. Don't try to say, well, it's just, it, you don't understand. You don't understand this other person that causes me to do this. Well, it doesn't matter. Don't try to say, well, you don't understand the background from which I come. I'm sorry for that if it was bad. But you need to start, start, a, start a new legacy. Be honest about your sins. So hard sometimes. And second thing, be honest about your sins. See, I know what you. I know what you're doing. I know how you do this. I, I know how you work. I know how you operate. Because I'm one of you. You just kind of. You still kind of want to just ah. You know, it, it's. I have a little. I have a little. Uh, a little condition. It's, it's just. You know, it's one of those little things. No, you have a sinful condition because you're a human being, and you're broken. Third thing, be honest about your sins. <laughs> you know, one of the things, it, it's an important issue, and I'm going to say this, and I know we, a, lot, we have a, lot, a lot of you come from a, a Catholic background, and one of the things I do really appreciate about Catholicism is this whole thing of confession. Now, I, I disagree theologically on a number of issues on that, one being um, I, don't, I don't believe, for instance, that the priest or minister has the ability to forgive sins. We don't, I don't believe that the Bible teaches that only one person has the ability to do that, and that's Jesus. And I've had, I've had a number of times, particularly since I've been here in this area, I've had people say, would you, would you um, listen to a confession? And you know, I don't know exactly what they mean, whether it's using that phrase or whatever. And my response is, I'll be happy to listen to a confession. But I always also say, but you need to understand, I can't forgive you. I'll pray with you. I'll ask God to, with you, I'll ask God to forgive you. But, but uh, it, it, the confession part sometimes is really good, and you need people in your life, at least one or two, where you can really be honest. And maybe that's a, a minister, maybe that's just a very close friend, uh, or a husband, or a wife, and, 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 or, or just someone else. But we all need people like that so that we can really be honest. 
And not, because that, that, that will keep us, like Nathan did with, with David, keep us from trying to hide things and cover things up. All right, that's three things. Fourth thing. You ready for this one? Be freaking honest about your sins. <laughs> I mean, you get really honest here. You think I'm trying to make a point? Yeah, I am. It's so hard. Trust me, I know. It's so hard just to get really honest and say, God, you know, I, I really screwed that up. It wasn't their fault. Or maybe it was partially their fault. Maybe it's partially somebody else's fault. Maybe it's partially this. Maybe it's partially... But at the end of the day, it's me. It's me. It's like the old spiritual. It's me. It's me, oh Lord. Standing in the need of prayer. Be honest. You ready for the fifth thing? Be ready to receive the joy of forgiveness. Be ready to receive the joy of forgiveness. There is nothing like being forgiven and understanding that from God Almighty, from Jesus Christ, I have forgiveness and I have acceptance. And nothing can change that. And when I go back to God or I go back in my prayers to, to Jesus and I, and I say, Lord, I'm still, still having a hard time with that sin I committed last week or last year or last decade. I'm still, still kind of some stuff hanging on. You know, if God's spoken in, in, in an audible voice, he's saying, he, and maybe he does, I haven't, I haven't heard it. But, but if he did, he, he, he would be saying, what sin is that? I don't remember any sin you committed last year or yesterday. Because God has that ability. That's why, that's why David says in that one verse up in, that we read earlier, he, when he said, whose sin is put out of sight. You know? So we bring those sins back up to Christ in our prayers or even in our thoughts. He's like, what are you talking about? Because that's the kind of God that he is. Spiritual breathing. Confess. Accept the forgiveness that God has. Be honest about your sins and enjoy the forgiveness that comes through Christ. Let's pray together. Lord God, we are so grateful for the, well, just the privilege of being able to stop and reflect, pray and think about these very important truths. Pray, God, that, that each person here is probably affected a different way. But I pray that each of us would be able to have the ability that can only come from you to be honest, first of all, with ourselves, and then, of course, with you. As we experience this, this important concept of just spiritual breathing, exhaling, confessing, inhaling your love and forgiveness. We thank you for that. We thank you for the fact that you give us the kind of grace that you give us can cure us from our, our human condition of fallenness by giving us your grace. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.